นโมทัสสะกวาทัวรหัตัวสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะกวาทัวรหัตัวสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะกวาทัวรหัตัวสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังดมังสังขังนมัสสะก
can contribute to imbalance for themselves and for others. So what's going on where something as potentially helpful and constructive as optimism can go sour, can contribute to increase imbalance? Well, my own pondering on this, what comes to the front of my mind is as with so many of these reflections, it's, it's always down to, are we getting lost in the state of mind? Have a positive, optimistic perspective? Are we getting lost in it? Or are we being mindful? Is there sati sampajanya, mindfulness and clear comprehension? Are we able to reflect on this disposition? an optimistic disposition. Can we reflect on it or are we lost in it? In other words, are we clinging? Are we finding our sense of security, our sense of identity, which is what so much of clinging is about, how to feel secure in myself? Are we clinging or do we have a constructive perspective on optimism? And to ask this question, we need to inquire not merely intellectually. We can, as we've just done this evening, recite the Tama Chakrabhuatana Sutta in Pali, and we maybe have some sense of what the Pali means, and certainly under, even on a conceptual understanding of the Four Noble Truths, and, and realize that the Second Noble Truth the Buddha talked about how... how unaware relationship to desire and clinging is the cause of the suffering. However, just having a conceptual understanding and uh, we, could be, we could be arguing about the word upadana and what it really means and looking into the word upadana, looking into the etymology of the word upadana and can be helpful. However, if we're still just thinking about upadana, just thinking about clinging, just thinking about grasping, if that's our only perspective on it, then that's not going to serve us very well. The idea of clinging to the positive thoughts and feelings that arise in association with an optimistic disposition, that idea can direct our attentions, our attention in a certain way, which is useful. However, then we need to go beyond merely just thinking about clinging to pleasant thoughts and feelings and actually register them, really register. What is the experience, what is the experience of clinging? And this Dhammachaka Sutta we just chanted, the, the fourth of the Four Noble Truths, the seventh factor, Samma Sati. What is, what is the Buddha talking about? He said, right mindfulness. It's, it's a whole body-mind mindfulness. Sometimes people pick up mindfulness as, just a, as, if, as if it's an intellectual exercise. So many of us are identified in our heads in the abstract realms that, that mindfulness can be quite disembodied. It's disembodied mindfulness if that's all we've got, it's not going to be enough to guide us to inquire into the difference between 
constructive, wholesome, helpful optimism and naivety. Although I didn't hear Ajahn Chah say it himself, but I trust it's true that he commented that that we Westerners have stupid feet because the Western monks walking around the forest would often trip over things. And, and I think this is an example of what uh, disembodied mindfulness can be like. We can be up in our heads being somewhat mindful of our thoughts and, and in that area where we feel very comfortable. However, can we really bring that mindfulness down to our feet? Can we inquire into the positive, pleasant feelings associated with an a optimistic disposition? Can we inquire into the whole body-mind and feel what's going on when we get lost? In, do we know what it's like to get lost in positive feelings, pleasant feelings? Or are we still operating on the level of abstraction in our heads? This is why it's a significant part of the training we have here in the monastery when I encourage the monks how, how they might use their personal time and the four areas of training, the formal meditation, formal study, learning chanting, and physical exercise. It's, it's very easy to ignore that last one if we have a habit of uh, relating to life on the level of uh, abstraction, concepts, ideas. It can be so fascinating, such a wonderfully fascinating world to live in that leaves us ill-equipped to really investigate in the way we need to investigate if, as in this example, we want to be able to tell the difference between wholesome optimism and naivety. The pleasant feelings that come up with being positive can be very intoxicating. They can look very attractive. And yet if we get lost in them, if we get lost in those pleasant feelings, then what happens when unpleasant feelings come up? When sadness comes up, when indignation comes up. When indignation arises and we get pulled into that vortex, get lost into that mood, that's really painful. So why can't I let go of indignation? Why can't I let go of sadness? Well, if when happiness arises, we're not making an effort to remember ourselves, to maintain a perspective, to cultivate sati sampajanya, if we allow ourselves to become forgetful and that is happening, then clinging is the default. That's what's likely to happen. However, if we have made some effort in this area and we have a, a degree of embodied mindfulness, the Buddha taught the four foundations of mindfulness, whole body, mind, mindfulness, not just a, a split-off mental exercise. So if we have some version of embodied mindfulness and, and we start to be able to read for ourselves what happens when we 
get lost in these moods. Just not just to think these things through. Yes, the thinking gets us started to really go beyond the thinking and really feel what happens when we are heedless and cling to optimism. Not just thinking this through as a mental analysis, but really registering it in the body and start to realize the danger in that. And with that, start to become interested in the possibility of expanding the field of awareness, letting go of Letting go of happiness when we're just thinking about it can sound like, seem like, when we let go of it, it's going to disappear. But that's just the same as like children thinking, when I let go of mummy and daddy's hand, they're going to disappear. That's not what happens. Hopefully, it's not what happens. Eventually, we learn to walk on our own, but mummy and daddy is still there. Just because we let go of something doesn't mean to say it disappears. We hold on to things for a while initially until we start to see for ourselves, oh, this relationship with happiness is not mature. This is an initial relationship. And, and we can also perhaps work on a mindful relationship where there's some space around the feeling, the pleasant feeling of being positive, being optimistic. And then maybe it starts to dawn on us, all right, This is the way to avoid naivety. That we can be positive, be optimistic, without falling into embarrassing, naive perspective. And if this takes place, if we start to get that perspective for ourselves then what I imagine would become apparent is that you can be optimistic without denying the risks and dangers of life. As I was saying before, the the naive form of optimism, it denies negativity. It's just clinging to the good feeling, attached to it, lost in it a mindful relationship to an optimistic perspective means that we can be positively disposed towards things at the same time, maybe, allowing for the opposite. And so, for instance, this current situation we're in with the the pandemic, which is causing so much suffering, could have an optimistic perspective and and consider how when this pandemic has passed that surely human beings will have learnt something from it to appreciate how cooperative community is really important to appreciate how lucky we are to have the NHS yeah. Yeah. to appreciate that we need to be alert to such risks in the future we're not just going to lose ourselves on on having holidays and pretending there's not going to be another pandemic in the future. So that's an optimistic view and it may be realistic. However, if it's a naive optimistic view, then we'll just be indulging in that, getting ourselves, getting lost in that. And because it's 
it's also quite possible that once the pandemic disappears, that human foolishness will manifest very quickly. It's quite possible. Thank goodness that's over. It's going to get drugged. It's, it's gone on holiday somewhere. Forget about it all. That's quite possible. So it comes down to clinging, basically, and seems to me that whether something as potentially wholesome and beneficial for ourselves and others as an optimistic perspective on life is really functional, or whether it's dysfunctional, it comes down to clinging. And how do we investigate clinging? Well, it's with this matured, balanced form of mindfulness. And the same reflection can help us in other areas, like, for instance, with coming to terms with uh, aversion. What's the difference, for instance, between aversion and hatred? Sometimes I meet people who've been practicing for a good long while, and then they come across all this aversion that they have in their minds, in their hearts, and maybe they, they witness some abuse, and then they end up feeling all this aversion for the abuser, and feel very guilty about it, feel very embarrassed about it. Is there something wrong with feeling aversion for an abuser? doesn't seem so to me. What's unfortunate is if we hate the abuser. That's hell. However, feeling aversion towards an abuser, it's just like if somebody walks into the Dhamma Hall here with stinky socks on, it offends our nostrils. That, that, that unpleasant smell offends our nostrils. And there's a sense of aversion for that unpleasant smell. However, do we have to hate the smell? Do we have to hate the person? Well, I think it comes down to the same thing. Are we clinging to that mood of aversion? Or is there a perspective on it? Hmm. Or, or you experience sadness. If you look at the world these days, and you know, not always, but it's pretty easy to look around and, and feel sad about things. And, in fact, if you look around and see what's going on and don't feel sad, I suggest maybe there's something wrong with you. It's a, it's a very sad circumstance that we live in. However, do we have to get lost in the sadness? Do we have to get pulled into that vortex? Or is it possible to feel sad, let the tears flow, and feel sad without being lost in sadness? Is it possible to feel aversion without being lost and producing hatred? Is it possible to feel positive, optimistic, without being lost in it and turning into naivety? So if we investigate in such a way and we have faith, we have confidence, trust in the training of our hearts and minds to be alert to the consequences of clinging, the danger of clinging. If we have faith in, in training our hearts and minds so as to be alert to the danger of clinging and learning how to let go and find a beneficial perspective on our moods. Then, there's a 
a better chance that we'll actually want to give ourselves into this training. And remember the training that we have, the encouragement, is the daily life form of practice, mindfulness, commitment to integrity, skillful restraint, wise reflection, and everyday life, washing the dishes, having conversations, doing what we do to get by in life, but exercising these spiritual potentials. And there's formal practice, daily life practice and formal practice. It's not insignificant that we have the teachings in both regards. It's kind of like having having two eyes. You can, you know, if you lose one eye, you can probably get by. Well, I'm sure you can get by with one eye, but we are getting information through two eyes. Well, not that I've studied this stuff, but I, what I understand is if you're getting information coming through two eyes, and it gives you a different perspective, which means you can navigate space much better. It's likewise, with formal practice and daily life practice, if we cultivate on both levels, then there's a better chance we'll be able to navigate the inner space. Somebody was telling me recently how how surprised they are every time they give themselves some time to sit meditation and be still that the the internal dialogue that's just going on and on and on and there's a very energy extravagant kind of dynamic taking place there that if we don't do formal meditation we can forget that that's to be understood I'm not talking about judging the internal dialogue and saying we're wrong for having it. However, it is energy extravagant and, and a lot of it is just conditioned verbiage and not particularly productive. Just, so if we slow down, take the opportunity to still the body, settle, direct attention inwards, feel inwards, Listen inwards, sense inwards. Not, as I say, not judging what we see, but not dismissing what we see. Meeting ourselves there, listening to ourselves there, and in so doing, coming to a better understanding of ourselves. And hopefully, with that better understanding, comes letting go. So I hope this evening these thoughts on this theme of optimism and naivety are of benefit in your practice. Thank you very much for your attention. Handamayang Dhamma Gathaya Sadhu Karam